podcast uh today is going to be a bit of a solo another solo episode with yours truly i'm jason um and today actually today i actually wanted to talk about turning 40 and the milestone i guess you know relating back to our pilot episode of milestones like turning 40 was uh turning 40 over the past weekend um uh, was was interesting to say the least, you know, I'm recording this obviously uh, a few days after my birthday, and you know, all the I guess the emotions that uh, come with turning 40, a so-called milestone year in your life, uh, was was quite a bit of uh, an interesting um, interesting roller coaster. You know, this obviously will come come out a few maybe a few weeks uh, after my birthday, but. Um, you know, there are a lot of things going through my head turning 40 and, you know, it's a big year for 83 babies, uh, year of the pig in the Asian, in the, uh, Chinese, uh, Zodiac calendar, if you're wondering, but, uh, a, a lot of my friends and Jen's friends are all 83 babies. <laughs> it was kind of crazy how, you know, some of our friends turned 40 already in the earlier in the year. And, uh, we had some really amazing celebrations of life with them and some of their friends kind of had a low key and shit i didn't even know they had their birthdays you know some bad friend <laughs> but like you know some uh some just went on their merry way and it was um it was definitely something that was up for debate on uh when even a few months ago when we were you know celebrating my other friends uh friends birthdays i was like jay what are you gonna do and there's all these social pressures, right? Of like the milestones, it's like a huge birthday. And you're like, you're almost kind of expected to celebrate, celebrate big almost in a way. Um, whereas, you know, deep down inside, I, I don't know. I had this like vibe of low key. I don't know what it was. You know, the emo in me would be like, meh, it's one of those meh, meh birthdays. But, you know, the... You know, the optimist and the uh, enthusiast in me would be like, come on, man, let's do something. But, you know, it's interesting that you kind of weighed this out. And I looked back and reflected about like, you know, the last, even the last 10 years of birthdays, which, you know, I got, I have to acknowledge is pretty amazing to be able to say, hey, you know, like, we get to celebrate another year because obviously there's there's people that don't get to celebrate that. And I totally acknowledge the fact that, you know, it's as we get older, you know, life is very precious and uh, not everyone gets to live out those days. So we should be extremely grateful and happy that we get to, you know, but, you know, obviously being human, it's. You know, you, you kind of uh, are in the in the moment of emotions and, you know, uh, for the last 10 years, I was pretty much low key. Every birthday has been low key. And 
it's almost like New Year's, right? New Year's, it was like, oh, man, we need to go celebrate big. And we, you know, we did that before, obviously, big New Year's parties, New Year's Eve parties, hanging out with friends or random strangers at clubs or whatever. You know, but ever since having kids, it's just been like very low key. And I think that's just kind of that's just a natural progression. I think depending on your, your personality, right? Uh, don't get me wrong. I love a big party. Um, but, you know, my, I'm kind of entering this phase of life where it's just like, no, nah, I'm good with low key, too, because you can celebrate. You can still celebrate low key. It just doesn't have to be like spectacularly grand. Um, and that's OK. And that's the thing that I think we acknowledge. We have to acknowledge as we we all kind of embrace life and, you know, the age you physically turn, but mentally, you know, hey, as long as you feel young, I think that's all that matters, really, um, when it comes down to it, because deep down, I still feel like I'm 26. Uh, although, you know, I do, I do hope to get carded at the, at the LCBO. I haven't got carded in a while, but, you know, funny, Jen, Jen actually got carded at the LCBO uh, two weeks ago, and <laughs> she came back with such a big smile. Uh, I think I got carded once. I, I got carded, yeah. And then, uh, but it was just like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, no, no. You know, they're like, oh, wow. Yeah, holy smokes. Good for you. <laughs> right? So, you know, that that was that. Didn't do anything too much. Dinner with the parents, um, both sides. You know, I'm missing my brother. He's coming back from Asia, which going to be super awesome to hear his uh, gallivanting for the last uh, many, many months. But, um, you know, at dinner, there was this thing. We went to a Japanese buff barbecue. I don't know if you've ever had it, but it's essentially like Korean barbecue, but it's more or less un unseasoned meat or just very simply seasoned uh, protein. Um, and not as, a, not as a heavily in the sauces and uh, the drenched in like Korean barbecue flavor. But, you know, every time you go to dinner and you... you you have this thing called gratuity, right? And we're always talking about this whole like inflation and obviously gratuity has always been around in North America and it's becoming almost absurd, you know, as you kind of no observe this, it's like when you go to pay and you see the machine and funny enough, we were at the, uh, this is a Japanese barbecue owned by, you know, Orientals, uh, debit or cash only, no credit card. So it's like, God damn it, can't get your Amex points, right? Uh, first world problem but but then yeah you know they're you know they're obviously trying to save the fee but then you know have the machine of debit come up and it goes you know what's the what's the what what have you been seeing and observing lately with the gratuity amounts that audit like the first option you know i think before it used to be like 10 percent uh or even five percent and then now it's i seeing as like low as 10 you know uh rarely but most commonly, I see 15 to 18% starting. Uh, a lot of like bars and pubs have 20% starting. It's like, come on, like really? And and this is the this is the thing that I've I've had. Uh, I've kind of been. I'm not sure why this tipping culture has become so like. Uh, you know, this tipping culture has become so. So widespread, and people are trying to like you know, become woke all about that. You know, it's like, no, you know, we like we're almost normalizing low income wage skills as like we should subsidize. You know, if you're not if you're not doing these jobs, 
you should be subsidizing and helping the people that are because they don't get paid fairly or they don't get paid enough. And, you know, to an extent, I, I'm okay with that because I get it. You know, there are a lot of jobs that no one really wants to do. But on the flip side of things is that, you know, you always, you have a choice. You have an option to work there for those, that wage that you're getting paid. And when it comes down to it, you're the one that put, you're the one that chose to work there. So to argue and complain about not getting enough tip because you get underpaid really shouldn't be at the diner's expense. Because realistically, what is a gratuity, right? When you think about it, a gratuity is you providing additional, you know, you giving an additional uh, money or compensation for a service that is above and beyond your expectations. And if our expectations are good service or give me even better service than I would, then yeah, I will give you at least the minimum, if not more. Um, you know, you know, like, and I think that's been lost in recent years, whereas tipping has almost become standard, right? In North America, it's like you, you just, you are supposed to tip regardless of how good or how bad the service is. And I think that's bullshit because when it, if, if you are working for tips and gratuity, and that goes with any kind of um, industry uh, where it's a services industry. Like if you're just providing the same service, standard service, why should you be getting tipped more or expect to get tipped more? So I think that's just a bit, uh, uh, a bit backwards there. But, um, you know, if you look at it and compare it in Asia, there is no tipping. I mean, even in some parts of North uh, Europe, like tipping is not standard. I remember going to Japan and we left money on the table at a restaurant and the waiter um, came back running outside after we left and be like, no, 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 you take the money. And we we're like, no, we won't give it to you for tip. And they're like, no, no, no tip. And we're just like, what? And then we, you know, we figured out like this was a standard. This was the culture of you didn't have to give tips. So, you know, this was years ago, like years and years ago, 10, 12, 13 plus years. Oh, man, I don't even know how long ago, long, long time ago. And it's probably the same. So if you've ever been to Asia and you've come back, you know, let me know if that's the case still. But I'm pretty sure it is. And I think that sh that should be adopted. That kind of culture should be adopted. You have the you have the option of tipping or not. And that's exactly what will incentivize people to work harder and provide superior service at their jobs because realistically if you're just going to half-ass it don't expect to get paid well i think that goes with anything um and uh last funny story here about tipping you know a long time ago i think this is part of my uh tipping upbringing <laughs> my tipping programming we were when i was a kid uh we were dining at a Chinese restaurant and my dad was uh, paying for all of my uncles and relatives and cousins and the waitress came up to my dad um, and was uh, was gave the bill and basically said oh yeah it's this much uh, and then it was just like oh yeah make sure to put the tip on there right put the tip on there and something in my dad just 
flipped out and he was just like what and mind you give you some context my dad comes from the food industry restaurant industry so he comes from a services industry and he just completely flipped out on this waitress and started cursing at her in Chinese, in uh, Mandarin. It was just like, what do you think this is? Like, you, what? You expect me to give you the tip? Like, you're asking for the tip before I even paid for the bill? Get the hell out of here. And he was, like, so adamant on not paying a tip. My aunt actually had to hold him back and ended up paying the tip because he took the money back and was like, I am giving you a tip because of that. And it was kind of funny how, like, even back then, I still real we we observe this uh, entitlement of like receiving a tip if you're in the services industry. So it's just kind of crazy how it hasn't really changed. Um, and who knows what will make it change. Um, but yeah, um, so that was pretty cool. Chill, you know, chill night, chill weekend. Um, getting too much food in. Uh, double entrees every meal, triple entrees at dinner, way too much. Um, but you know, this, uh, turning 40 thing kind of made me think a lot too about like, like, holy shit, I'm turning 40. And, you know, over the last few years, there's been a lot of, um, there's been a lot of personal growth. I think, uh, that both Jen and I, and, and a lot of our friends and relatives have all been going through, right? We're, getting to this point in our lives where you are now searching deeper for kind of what what this all means like what are we all doing this for and um i have to say as i approached 40 even before that it, it no one even tells you what a midlife crisis is you kind of joke about it when you're younger and you see you know you see the you see the the balding, the balding dude with uh, holding onto the last locks of their hair, driving, um, you know, brand new Corvette or a Porsche top down in the summer. <laughs> and it's like, you know, it's like, oh, man, midlife crisis. Right. And I Googled the definition of midlife crisis and um, I'll try finding it while I'm talking here. But it was so nuts that, you know, obviously, because we are all trying to figure stuff out in lots of different things. Uh, our family lives, investing, our relationships with friends and family. Um, and as you turn 40, or really any age, I guess, you start to ask a lot of questions. And there are these uh, things in your life that you feel like you are going through. Uh, just give me a second here. I'm just around the camera starting to act up on me um but uh you know you're just like okay shoot you know all these questions are getting asked and you're like what does this all mean so and i happened to just google the midlife crisis definition and <laughs> first line in wikipedia i was just like oh crap damn so I'll read it just because for fun, like the midlife crisis, crisis is a transition of identity and self-confidence that can occur, that can occur in middle age individuals, typically 40 to 60 years old, dun, 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 40, the magic number. And, you know, the phenomenon is described as a psychological crisis brought on by events that highlight a person's growing age, inevitable mortality and possible lack of accomplishments in life, single tier. 
uh, and this may produce feelings of intense depression, remorse, high levels of anxiety, desire to achieve youthfulness and make drastic changes in their current lifestyle or feel the wish to change past decisions and events. Um, pretty much I read this as you were trying to figure out the reason why, right? And I almost <laughs> literally laughed and cried at the same time as I read this to Jen. And I realized that even though psychologists will call it whatever they want, and you may say, oh, I'll never experience this or whatever, right? Shit, you might be going through it now and you're not even 40. You might be going through it when you're 50 or 60 or whoever. But, you know, when I look back at it and I basically said, shoot, you know, I've been blessed to live 40 years. Really, I think the first 40 years, and if I relate this to almost kind of uh, like courses in university, when you take courses, the first 40 years was basically figuring out the how-tos. Right? You figure out the how-tos in life. And obviously that will never stop because we continuously are learning. But the first 40 years were like, you figure out what you actually don't like. And you go to school, you're like, I don't like calculus. I don't like this. I don't like life sciences. I don't like whatever. And you're, or you're like, I, I don't like working with my hands or, you know, whatever. And really the, it's like a trial and error, right? You're just figuring stuff out because you just throw shit on the wall and see what figures you just run with the, you run with it. And that whole concept of like, take, you know, fly the plane, put the plane in the air, figure out how to fly after. And where, you know, this whole thing of the first 40, it's almost really like you can compare it to anything in your life that you do is the how to's. And the next 40 is the why's, right? I call it the back nine, like the front nine kind of figured out how to play golf. The back nine, now you're really playing for all the marbles, right? You have a reason why you figure that out. Because those reasons become more important. And yes, the whole definition of morale of midlife crisis can can contextualize that into something explainable. But, you know, really, if I think about it, life is all about a why. And now that turning 40, even before turning 40, the whys got deeper. They got more important. They got realized. Right, because because instead of just going through the motions of the how tos, you're trying to understand why you're doing this. Um, and if we relate this back to investing in your financial journey, you know, investing in building your wealth and figuring out how to manage your money and grow your money, that's all trial and error. And yes, it may take you forty years. It may have taken you ten, five. But that's the first part, right? The front nine of your investing is figuring out what style investor you are, how you are with your money, the type of personality you have, uncovering the money scripts that you grew up with. And then the next part of that, the back nine of your investing is now figuring out, okay, now that I understand what I'm dealing with personally, all right, what do I do about it, right? And why am I doing all this? Because, yeah, it's all fine and dandy to go, like, put money into a, into a bunch of stocks, buy a bunch of real estate, 
and go buy assets over liabilities and all the rah-rah-rah of investing to build your wealth, then why the hell are you doing it for? And that's the big question, right? And that's that whole like existential question that I think for me and maybe for other 40-year-olds, 83, 83 babies are going through, right? We're asking ourselves why. Because, you know, we've been running at full steam for the first 40 years, you know, and now is it a yield sign? Are we encountering a yield sign on the path of life that basically says, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, figure out why you really want to do this for now and why you're doing it. So, um, you know, I don't like the analogy of a fork in the road or a decision, but, you know, it's a yield is more just taking a taking a breath, taking a glance and, f and realizing, okay, what am I doing that's right? What am I doing that's wrong? Before I put my gas back onto the pedal to go onto that, that freeway, right? That on-ramp. So, oh, that's just kind of the midlife crisis uh, joke that uh, got running around with Jen and I. And, um, you know, it led me to <laughs> go down a lot of rabbit holes of stuff on the internet and asking other people and realizing that, you know, this is just a phase in life that we all go through. Um, and no one can ever really give you the full picture and context without you actually getting there. And it's just like, you know, if you're investing, it's easy for people to say, yeah, keep it simple, invest in low index ETFs, do it all every month, you know, a dollar cost average or invest early because you have time and all that stuff. It's very easy to say that and tell you after the fact, I told you so, right? It's very hard to realize in the moment that that's probably something that, you know, we could have done, should have done. Um, but the next 40, the next phase, you know, your net, your, your back nine should be focused on, man, all right, I got all this amazing life ahead of me. And I got reasons to do it. So let's really, really put our foot on the gas, right? Because there's, there's always time. There's always time. And we should always look at that. Even though, yes, time, you're not getting more time of it. And you know, I've always said that it's our biggest commodity now. You can have all the money in the world. You can do all this crap. But, you know, if you don't have your health, if your mind's not right, if your body's not right, all that, all that shit doesn't matter. So, you know, I take this from, take this from a boomer. <laughs> um, you know, take care of yourself, take care of your money, take care of your, your head, take care of your body, take care of the people around you. Um, and, you know, don't let the foot off the gas, right? So, anyways, that's just the, long-winded way around the midlife crisis experience that I'm going through, I guess, whatever. <laughs> um, you know, I think it's cool too, obviously, getting getting a bit older is, is a unique gift because there's life experience that cannot be taught other than through straight exposure, right? You could tell young people all about the things that, you, they can do 
and the things that you've encountered but you know it's hard for obviously anyone that has never experienced something to really understand it in full context and it kind of almost like it's frequently reminds me of my dad telling me stuff like you know i've told you in four, in 30 years china will be the biggest one of the biggest countries in the world and if you don't want to learn mandarin if you're not going to learn mandarin not you know it's probably going to be a detriment to yourself and it's funny because we're obviously you know we're chinese and um my uh, mandarin and cantonese is uh conversationally poor <laughs> uh enough to get by or find the washroom or order food uh, and tell someone to f off but like yeah seeing what has transpired over the last 30 years with you know these uh, emerging markets and third world countries become like superpowers you're almost just like damn you know what kind of benefit that could have been so sometimes you know a little bit of experience um and the foresight of the older generation can go a long way so you know um always respect your elders okay respect your elders so uh, now that i'm entering this you know respect your elders okay um you know with turning 40 there's obviously a lot of changes that uh happen outside of you know uh, you turning 40 and it's it's comes really fast and you don't realize that holy shit i'm 40 now and then you look outside and you're like wow all these cool things like ai are literally replacing jobs that i grew up with and i remember going into university be like oh these are these are fields that you should be going into um and you know there's a good side and a bad side in it you know all, being short-term skept- skeptical long-term optimistic um I, you know, I heard this term yeah short-term paranoia long-term optimism um you know is this an ai bubble is this the next big bubble we will have that causes the recession that we're apparently supposed to be in, but not, you know what I'm saying? Um, we don't know. Nobody knows. I, I think it could be. Um, and it's a race to basically the first, right? The first few. And only maybe the earliest adopter will win. The one with the most deep pockets or one that finds and figures it out first. Or it could be amalgamation of a whole bunch. But this is something from an investor standpoint. This is a, this is a precarious scenario where if you're looking to invest in ai and the technology this this is yes potential ai i don't see ai going away just like when the internet came everyone was like oh the internet's a fad and all that stuff and guess what happened the tech boom came but there was also a resulting uh tech bubble because all these companies were riding on the wave of the internet and evaluations went through the roof so remember one thing if you've ever gone through a cycle of investing history doesn't repeat itself but it sure does rhyme does sound the same and i see this potentially being another tech bubble right with the internet so um something to be mindful of you know it's uh could be who knows this could be uh this could be Skynet in the making, or it could be just another tool uh, that we get to use in in our uh, tool belt. 
and really makes us super efficient, like literally super efficient. It's so cool, right? Uh, I'm sure you guys have played around with uh, ChatGPT. But think about it. You know, when I went to university, there, everyone was talking about programming. You should be going into programming and learn coding. And obviously, a lot of people did, right? A lot of people learned coding. And guess who created the AI? Coders and programmers. <laughs> and it's almost this irony that programmers programmed their fate. Like, this is literally Skynet. But I also see it as the other side where, sure, this could eliminate jobs. And it will. It will eliminate jobs, potentially eliminate careers, or make certain industries much smaller and not as uh, valuable um, because it's almost like manufacturing. You think about anything that could be automated could be could be replaced, right? This 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 thing about well, if a machine can do it, think literally if a machine can do it. Well, what does that mean for your job? And how do you protect yourself? Right. Ultimately, in a world where we still have this physical world that has services and products need to be made, products can be automated, some services can be, I guess, replaced with machines. But ultimately, those are low, low value, low income skills, right? And I, I don't mean to um, downplay any of those. It's just I'm categorizing, right? So you protect yourself by learning high income skills right and that's the that's the that's the basics of it so if you think about even back in the day who got jobs first people that had high income skills if you had low income skills you got low income jobs so if you're thinking about well how do you protect yourself and what do i do is my job safe yeah, it can be just make sure that you're looking at the right skill sets, that you're improving your skill sets. And how do you apply that to your investing? Well, look at where the money is going, right? Look at where, who would most benefit from the AI bubble, the AI boom, right? Who would, which industry, which industry would make it more efficient? Because shareholders and analysts will all look for efficiencies. If you cut jobs, if you cut costs, that's one side of the balance sheet that makes profit bottom line go up. So ultimately, if I can maintain revenues, increase revenues, but decrease cost, my profit to shareholders goes up, right? And that could be a winning formula um, with AI. So uh, another thing I, uh, you know, speaking of high income skills, uh, you know, Josh, my oldest was, our oldest was joking around because, you know, we've been very open with talking about how to make money and they ask us and we go through our supermarket local groceries supermarket and they're like uh josh was like hey ba, i want to become a cashier one day i'm like all right <laughs> okay why w what are you gonna do well you still you know always someone needs to count the money and it was crazy because back in the day you were always like someone needs to put the bag and the food in bags but that's gone because we don't get bags anymore and people bag their own stuff. But yeah, back to Josh. And I'm just like, okay, well, don't you see these things that we get to check out, self-checkout, and you have fun checking it out? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, do you think people will will be needed to do what this machine does and you get to have fun doing it? And he's like, yeah, well, people will always still want to talk to people. 
you know, he had a point there. But I guess what I was trying to do was make him think, you know, outside the box. Um, and it, and it's hard, right, for a seven-year-old right now. But it doesn't hurt to ask them the questions about why, right? Why? Why are you thinking like this? What do you think? What else? Uh, as opposed to kind of going down this, like, you know, this, uh, I guess, what society would call your milestones, right? Go through your life. Um, but uh, I think... You know, it's, yeah, who knows, AI, um, right? Growing up, you go to the banker, and then I remember my parents, you know, we would have this uh, booklet. So if you're old enough to know that when you went to the bank, they gave you a booklet, a physical booklet, a little small booklet, probably like, I don't know, four inches, five inches by three inches, four inches. And... You'd go to the teller and the teller would actually print almost like a receipt or an invoice, right? Your transaction, the balance in and out and the balance of your account. And you'd look at it, you'd be like, oh, okay. And, you know, they came, the invention with the ATM. And I remember when the ATM came and I was like, wow, this is going to put bankers out of business, like tellers out of a job. And, you know, I knew people that were tellers and they worked at tellers and I was like, yeah. Like, there's no value to go see a teller anymore. Why would I want to go see a teller? And as I got older, that became more and more apparent. And I remember talking to an older coworker. They're like, I still like going to the bank to interact. And I was like, you're probably one of the dying breeds because soon enough, you won't have a person like that to talk to at the bank. It will be go to the machine. And now, what's everyone's behavior? Go to the machine. No one even wants to talk to anyone. Plus, the people that are at the counter probably can't do it as efficiently as you figuring out online or calling in. But, um, yeah, it's just something to, you know, if you do want to catch the early wave of something like a boom, look for what the trends are, right? Look for these small trends that lead to bigger trends. And... What could that lead to, right? And if you want to, this is not advice, but this is where speculation comes into play, right? So you are speculating that a specific company or a specific industry is going to benefit from something. And really at this point, unless you have insider knowledge or you are really immersed in that industry, it's all of a speculative bet. So I know people that will put money into... Uh, maybe a AI company or something, someone, a company that is connected to AI, like Apple or Nvidia, Google, Microsoft, those are all still solid companies. And they're just the ones with the biggest pockets that are able to put in money to continue to develop it, right? That's not really a speculative bet, I would say. It's more like you're just putting your money into the heavyweights, which never is a bad idea, in my opinion, because you want to invest in, in, in the best, right? Invest in your all-stars and not the bench. The benches, yes, those undrafted players, they can turn out to be real gems, but sometimes they turn out to be duds and G-leaguers. So um, invest in the ones, the stars. Um, yeah, I guess, um, you know, as we kind of close off this turning 40 rant, 
I just want to say that, you know, I'm extremely grateful and uh, the word blessed because I'm not really religious, right? But, you know, bless up like DJ Khaled, right? Bless up more life. Um, I'm, I'm grateful and blessed to, to be able to share this with you. Um, even though it's not necessarily financial uh, information, but I do think that our experiences shape who we are. And by sharing our experiences and the journeys that we've gone through and are going through, you know, I, I truly believe that can help someone, uh, even if it's a little tidbit. And so I appreciate everyone listening in. I appreciate the birthday wishes and, you know, this back nine, you know, the even though the front nine, sometimes if you look back and you're like, it pretty bumpy. There was a lot of hacking out of the tall grass. You know, you might have gotten a few mulligans and bad lies, chunked it, <laughs> balls in the water, shank it, slice. But every once in a while, you hit a nice flush shot and you're like, yeah, now I know why it's so fun to play. And when you figure out that why, you really, really understand and appreciate the reason why you're doing it and working so hard towards your everyday rich. So, again, thank you. Appreciate it. If you can like and subscribe and share, leave a comment. You know, are you turning 40? Are you coming to this age of magical number? What are you going through? Are you experiencing some sort of midlife crisis? Has that taught you anything uh, while entering your 40s? Maybe you're not, right? Maybe you're younger and you're like, holy crap, you're an old man. <laughs> stop stop being a downer, um, right? But yeah, happy to hear what you guys have to say. You know, we want to start this and continue this uh, movement of really empowering everyone to be able to make the most, the best financial decisions for themselves and their future so that their back nine is glorious and you get to have the 19th hole to really celebrate right because when we all get to the 19th hole you know that time will come but at least we get to enjoy a few cocktails and a, and a few uh nice straight drives on that so enough of the analogies uh, i think i've already tapped out with more analogies but yeah Appreciate everyone, and um, if anything, we'll see you when hopefully we'll do turn 41. We'll see, uh, maybe we'll do a turning 40, 40 for Jen episode and have her do a solo. So if you think that's a good idea, uh, yeah, leave a comment, let us know. But um, till next time, everyone, appreciate it. Peace. The Everyday Rich Podcast is presented solely for general informational, educational, and entertainment purposes. Any such information or other material should not be construed as legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended as a substitute for the advice of a qualified professional.